you don't know anything else, I want you to know this tonight. You got to believe it because it makes the difference for everything. Is that um, if you've trusted Christ, then you are a child of His. And the truth is, you are in His grip. He loves you deeply, and you're in His grip. <laughs> he has you. Whatever you're facing tonight, whatever struggle, whatever difficulty, don't let go of that. Don't let the enemy take that from you or make you think that he doesn't love you because he does. And he's walking with you through, through whatever you're going through. Um, and so that's the good news that we have. Hey, um, we're continuing our series called Raising, um, or excuse me, um, uh, Forming Faith in Your Family. This is a series, Forming Faith in Your Family. And uh, last week, Pastor Scott and Diane got us uh, off to a great start talking about marriage. And I know I was encouraged and blessed by their message. I'm sure you were too. Uh, as we uh, just learned from them um, over their years of marriage, uh, some of the things uh, that help, uh, can help us succeed. And so what an encouragement <clears throat> to have our marriages encouraged and life spoken into us. We need that. This week, we continue in that series with a, a message titled, Raising Your Children to Know and Love God. Uh, raising Your Children to Know and Love God. And really, the focus here is discipleship in your family. Now, if your children are raised, uh, as you know and as you've learned, as Mary and I have just learned, that um, uh, parenting continues, okay? It changes. <laughs> it's got to change, but it continues continue to play a role in our kids' lives, which is awesome, and in our grandkids' lives. And of course, grandkids are amazing. And if you've got grandkids, man, that, um, uh, that's where your influence just blossoms. And so don't, don't step out of it. Stay involved in discipleship in your family, because that's what we're called to do, um, and that's the privilege that we have. Today we're going to, as I said, focus, if you want to turn in your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. So if you've got a Bible or if you want to look on your phone app, um, uh, as we know, and it's very true, the Bible tells us this, and we find it's true that children are a blessing from God. They're really a blessing to all of us. And I know our church believes from the leadership down that the sound of children making noise, all right, children's voices, even if they're screaming and crying, that sound is music to our ears. We love it at Mitchell Berean. Children playing upstairs, yelling and screaming. We love it because that means that we have a future, right? And that God's helping us reach the next generation. And so we're just thankful when we hear that sound. Uh, it's musical. And so children are a blessing for all of us. Having children is a fun process as well. A little more fun for dad than mom, probably. But... Uh, it's, it's through pain that children come into the world, and yet it's a, it's a tremendous blessing. I'll never forget that my wife, after having gone through a near-death experience in birthing a child, within moments, it was, she was ready to do it again. And I just couldn't believe that. But that's the blessing that children are. But uh, children, having children can be traumatic. They're, they're, it's difficult for mom, but it can be traumatic for dad too. Um, a group of expectant fathers were in the waiting room while their wives were in the process of delivering babies. This, of course, was years ago. Now dads are right in there, right? But a nurse came in and announced uh, to one man that his wife had just given birth to twins. He said, that's quite a coincidence. He responded, I played for the Minnesota Twins. A few minutes later, another nurse came in and announced to another man that he was the father of triplets. He said, that's amazing, he exclaimed. I work for the 3M company. At that point, the third man slipped off his chair, laid, on the, uh, laid down on the floor. Someone asked him if he was feeling okay. 
I said, no, he responded. I happen to work for the 7-Up company. (laughs) One of the most important tasks um, of our lives is to raise the next generation. God gave the command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Uh, This job is not done yet. The earth has not been filled, and so we keep at it. Um, Each generation, we pass the torch to the next generation. Raising children can be very challenging. Uh, As you know, especially when they become teenagers, it can be incredibly challenging, and so we look for advice. Um, Gore Vidal said, All children alarm their parents, if only because you're forever expecting to encounter yourself. Ogden Nash said, Parents were invented to make children happy by giving them something to ignore. Harry Truman said, I have found the best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want and then advise them to do it. Anne Frank said, parents can only give good advice or put them on the right paths, but the final forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. And this is is certainly true. It's been said well that Christianity is only one generation away from extinction, and so it's imperative that parents and grandparents pass on the faith to the next generation, to their children, raising them to know and love God. The church has found this difficult, and so at times has tried to form, uh, has tried different strategies to ensure the next generation is captured. The Catholic Church tried to turn uh, the church into a covenant community. So the faith was passed through rites, like uh, baptism. That's why uh, the Catholic Church does infant baptism. And then uh, last rites at the end, right? And as long as you do the right things throughout, then you're insured a place in heaven. And so they could ensure their children would also be in heaven. But the scripture, the Bible actually teaches us, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, among other places, that salvation is by grace through faith. And so it is not something can be parted and imparted through, um, through a rite or a sacrament, but it must be imparted uh, through um, an individual making a decision to trust Christ. And so this is more challenging in some ways because we can't just command our children to be saved. That feels easier to a lot of people. But the truth is we got to lead them to salvation. we got to influence them to following God. It's a risky path, but I believe if we follow what the Scriptures teach us, That we're guaranteed success sounds a little audacious, um, maybe a little overconfident, but I believe it. Because uh, the way God created things, the bond between children and parents is so strong, there is no greater influence in a child's life than the parents. And so if you set out to influence them, to follow, to know and love God, then uh, if you follow the instructions in Scripture, and of course, not perfectly because none of us are, but you will have success at it because God has created the dynamic they're so powerful. And so children really do look to parents for those things and they pick up on what their parents really believe, who their parents really are. In the midst of raising children, at times, maybe more, than, more times than not, you might feel as though you're failing and it's not working and you're not sure they're getting it. They probably aren't, but they are. Because the accumulative effect of your life and the time you have with them, the influence you have in their lives, the, the draw, the, 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 the physical, the emotional, the mental connection is so powerful. Look at children that are adopted, given up for adoption. Always they want to go back and find their, 
their um, uh, biological parents. The, the power is, the, the connection is powerful. So don't doubt it. Continue to press into it. Continue to work to disciple your children. And that is what I think our call actually is as parents, is to disciple our children. If we disciple them and we uh, grow in our disciple-making ability, right? If we grow as disciple-makers ourselves as parents, then we're going to disciple our children. We'll be able to uh, make disciples uh, of them, help them to discover a relationship with Christ and to grow to follow him. And we'll be successful in the role of parenting. I actually think there's very little more you need to know than to become a disciple-maker. If you become a disciple-maker, you'll be able to raise your kids, you'll be able to parent them, and you'll be able to teach them and train them what is needed. It's interesting that Jesus set it up this way in teaching his followers to be disciple-makers. He taught them all they needed to know to be successful in this life and to impart their faith to others. As I said, you can't force your children to follow Jesus, but the, the influence is great. It's important to have a connection, a commitment to a local church in the process of discipling your children. Next week, we're going to look at that, the relationship between the church and your family and how the church, uh, our church specifically is set up to help you disciple your children and even grow your, uh, your marriage stronger and to be, to be stronger. The, our church is set up to do that. And so your relationship with the church is important. It's important that your kids see you making a commitment to church. This is what they see. It's what they'll, they'll, uh, that's what they'll believe in the, and that's what they'll follow. It's what will be transmitted to them. And so one of the beginning points of that is to make a commitment as a couple to the church and, and make a commitment to disciple your kids. And so uh, Mother's Day, this year we're going to have child dedication. And uh, we do child dedication here rather than baptism because, again, we believe baptism follows, we see in the Scripture, baptism follows a belief or trust in Christ. So we call it believer's baptism. Obviously, a baby cannot make a decision to trust Christ, and that's why we don't baptize infants, because the role that baptism plays. But we do dedicate children, and in doing that, what we're doing is we're asking parents to dedicate themselves to disciple their children, to raise them to know and love God. And as a church, we're committing to support that effort on the parents' part. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't dedicated your children, um, send an email into the church office or myself, and, and it's important it's an important step. You're making a physical commitment, right, in front of the church and uh, before God that you're going to pursue discipling your children. Well, the first step in raising your children to know and love God is this. Your children must be taught to obey. Ephesians chapter 6, let's begin in re- reading in verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. I've told you this before, but when I was a kid, I learned a song in uh, Sunday school, and uh, it taught me to spell probably the only word I knew how to spell as a little kid, and the word was obedience. The little song went O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. No applause or nothing? Come on, I just sang a song for you. Hey, uh, it's all right. I know, I know it was rough. Hey, um, but, but that's true. Hey, it was a powerful uh, little word for me to learn how to spell as a little kid. Because obedience is the correct action. Little children don't come out of the womb knowing what's right. As I've shared with you before, I have a little granddaughter. And she is a, a beautiful little creature, creation of God. She's amazing. She's almost ready to talk. 
and, uh, and she's growing and forming. And yet I know that she's a little sinner, okay? She has a sin nature, and that little smile and cute face does not fool me because I know what is in her heart. And the truth is, that's a fact. And so obedience, learning to obey, respect authority, and to obey authority is very important. It's essential for my little granddaughter and for all people to be successful in life. The Bible tells us that obedience flows from love. John 14, 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus said that a love relationship is what will produce obedience. A love relationship. And so, a loving relationship needs to grow between a parent and a child. It's very important, that bond, that connection. But the selfishness that children are born with, that we're all born with, has got to be broken. The selfishness has got to be broken. And so respect to listen to authority has got to be learned. And that is the the responsibility of that is put on parents. This is the role that God has given parents to fulfill. It is hard and painful to teach children to be considerate of others. It's painful to teach selfish adults to be considerate, right? That's hard. But so it's difficult to teach children. It's harder to teach adults because children are the most impressionable. And that's why they've got to learn these lessons young. Parents are put in place to teach submission and obedience to authority. Parents are to be a picture of God to their children. The relationship starts off with instruction. The instruction is this. Do what I say because I said to do it. (laughs) You don't get an opinion. I'm not going to tell you why. Because I'm your dad. Because I'm your mom. This is how it must start. Children have to learn that. Obedience to what they're being told. Because of the authority that's telling them. This is absolutely essential. Now it's a spiritual battle to teach sinful children to obey authority. They can learn to do this, though, and it is the first step in disciplining your children is to teach them this principle. Teaching children to obey does require discipline, and discipline is hard and messy. It can feel terrible for both parents and children. When my mom disciplined uh, her kids, I think it hurt her more than it hurt us. I'm pretty sure it hurt her more than it hurt me. But, uh, but it was just hard for her. I mean, it was just so painful. She didn't like conflict, and she didn't want to get after us. She wanted a loving warm environment was nurturing where we were all happy playing dancing right waving little branches that's what she wanted but she had little sinners (laughs) and we were rebellious by nature and so she had to discipline us punish us boy that was hard i know how hard it was for her But God places this requirement on the shoulders of parents. It's essential that they fulfill this role or they're going to hinder their child's chance of success. To go out into the world not knowing how to respect authority and obey it is to be hobbled in life. It's to have to experience it out in the world. The spankings that maybe should have happened at home, right? So the truth is that training your children through discipline and to obey authority is an act of love. And demonstrates that you truly care about their well-being. Proverbs 13, 24, famous scripture says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. It's very true. Um, A lot of parents in the guise of love are permissive. 
But that isn't love. That is a false sense of loving. It really is selfish, as I've shared with you before. Permissiveness is selfishness. It says, I care, about more, my, I care more about my feelings than I do about my, ch- my children or the people under my authority. We must ultimately teach our children to discipline themselves. And this is required for them to make it in the world. Training children requires that they feel pain when they do the wrong thing. Do you know this? Listen, this is absolutely the truth. Maturity only comes through pain. Immaturity is experienced when not enough pain is experienced. I'm not talking about over... I'm just saying your discipline process has to involve some pain, right? Because that's the only way we learn. It's the only way we grow as people. This is true of adults too. It's true of us through our whole life. And so discipline is hard, but it's important. If you want your children to succeed, then you're going to be involved in this because they've got to learn some lessons in order to grow up. You don't want to send your kids off into the world immature. Again, you're hobbling them. It's just going to delay their ability to succeed and make it in the world. Training children requires that. We learn from how God handles us, right? We learn from how God handles us to punish wrong behavior and reward right behavior. And all the while, reinforcing our love for our children. Benjamin Spock led the way years ago. My mom read his stuff and listened to him as a big influencer on parenting. Years ago, he led the way among child-rearing professionals in instructing parents not to discipline their children. He said that doing so would damage children's egos. Later in his life, he realized that he had made a big mistake. And he said this, we have reared a generation of brats. Parents aren't firm enough with their children for fear of losing their love or incurring their resentment. This is cruel. This is a cruel deprivation that we professionals have imposed on mothers and fathers. Of course, we did it with the best intentions. We didn't realize until it was too late how our know-it-all attitudes were undermining the self-assurance of parents. The truth is, the world will try to present different ways of parenting. And you're going to hear, parents, what the world has to say. Can I urge you and encourage you to listen to what the scriptures say? The word of God is the truth, and it will set you on the right path. It will ensure your success. To listen to the world's uh, teaching may or may not help you in raising your children. Be cautious of advice given uh, from the world's perspective. Remember who is the prince and power of the air who governs the world. It's not God, it's Satan. And so just be careful. Evaluate the advice you're getting. If it doesn't line up with scripture, it's not going to be correct. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us uh, some direction in discipline in general. And again, we can learn from what God does with us. Starting in verse 5, the writer says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. God treats us this way. He disciplines us. He punishes us. That's what a loving parent does. Fathers are uniquely gifted at creating the correct atmosphere in the home. This trains children to interact in the real world successfully. This is why the next verse in Ephesians chapter 6, the next verses in this passage deal with the next step in discipling your children. The second step in discipling your children to know and love God 
is that you must have a home filled with honor. You must have a home filled with honor. Ephesians 6, let's read verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. You will have long life on the earth. The, the enemy, Satan, wants to dis, he wants dishonor and rebellion to reign in our homes and in the world. This is what dominates our culture. Satan hates God's creation. He hates what God established, and so he's been working to tear it down from the beginning. He started with Adam and Eve, and he continues to actively work to tear down what God has created. This includes your family. He wants to sow seeds of dishonor and rebellion in your family. And honestly, parents, this starts with how you treat your parents. This command to honor your father and mother is not end when you become an adult. The formal commands God gave to his people through Moses, this command was issued. Mike Ferguson down here, Ferguson Signs, passed away not long ago, and I didn't get a chance to meet him. But I loved what he put on his signs, and I loved the fact that he had the Ten Commandments listed on a huge sign billboard in front of his place of business. The Ten Commandments are not a high bar for human behavior. They're actually a relatively low bar, but they're the first written commands that God gave to his people. And they're to be listened to, to be considered. Ephesians, or Exodus chapter 20. The first time this is listed, it's, list, the, the, it's listed again in Deuteronomy. This is what God says. The Ten Commandments gave to Moses, and Moses read them to the people. Then God gave the people all these instructions. Number one, I am the Lord your God. Or not number one. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. First of all, you must not have any other God but me. Second, you must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I will lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath day, by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to, of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Next, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Next, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Relatively low bar, right? 
Don't sleep with somebody that you're not married to. Don't murder somebody. You know, uh, keep a day holy and set apart to God. Don't worship any other gods. But this is God's expectation and the beginning of his expectation of us as his creation. We are, listen, we are the image bearers of God. The angels are not the image bearers of God. The animals are not the image bearers of God. Human beings are distinct and unique. We are made in God's image. I think that's part of the reason Satan wants to destroy us. He doesn't hold the position that we do. He doesn't even understand it. Salvation is not offered to the angels. There's no redemption. There's no forgiveness. They rebelled and they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire in hell. In fact, that's what hell was created for, for the devil and his angels, demons. But for, human, for the human race, God has given everything. Jesus came to sacrifice his life, to die on the cross, to atone for our sins so that we can experience forgiveness. We can have a restoration in our relationship with God. We can be forgiven, set free, made right. You are an image bearer of God. And so we must remember God's standard and fight to keep it. (laughs) Now, obedience comes from a love relationship with God. Trying to be better is not necessarily the goal. It's to know God better and to be closer to him. But obedience matters. Our behavior matters. Notice the command here to honor your parents is the first commandment with a promise. If you want a good life, if you want things to go well for you, honor your parents. Honor your father and mother. Bedrock principle. Bedrock principle uh, in all of creation. We've got to have order and respect Respect for parents translate into respect for God. Honor your parents. Honoring your parents means giving weight to who they are, the position they hold. That means what they, has, what they have to say holds weight. It's going to matter to you. Now, certainly, as we get married and start our own family, there's a leaving, right? We don't continue to live under our parents' authority at that point, though we continue to honor them. But we are called to honor our parents, show respect. And children certainly must learn to respect and obey. That's, that's, it's essential. If they don't learn to do that in the home, then they're not going to be able to do it in the world. And we have entire generations of, of rebellious children who, are, uh, who have caused havoc in our country. We have riots this summer, cities being burned last summer because of rebellious children. And so it's really important. We can't control everything our children do. There's a world where the enemy is going to try to pull them away and influence them, and at times the enemy will win. But we still must hold the, the, the responsibilities on us to carry this, uh, this, um, to carry this out. There are, in general, um, I want to say this. Obviously there's abusive uh, situations. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. Uh, the authority which we, with which parents carry out um, this is very, it's very important. Um, and so abusive situations fall into a category where, um, where, you know, different things are done. I know a lot of hurt um, is there in a lot of people's lives based on relationship with parents that hasn't gone well. And it's been difficult. I certainly know people that have walked that. And that's painful and difficult and not to be dismissed. That also doesn't change the principles here that scripture teaches 
We've got to learn this, and we've got to stick to it, and we've got to fight hard for it. You've got to give weight to your parents' opinions, to what they say, their instruction. It will contribute to your success. If you don't honor them, then you're going to pass that on to your children, and their character is going to be corrupted like yours is. And it's important to separate ourselves from that. Honoring parents can be tough. It's not easy. It's not any easier than disciplining our children and correcting them. But it's absolutely essential. We create an environment in our homes. If we create an environment of honor, our kids are going to learn that because they're raised in it. So honor your spouse. Honor your parents. Show honor uh, to your parents and then your spouse. Um, Women respond to love and to be treated tenderly with emotional and relational connection. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. This is to honor them. It's important to note that love is not a feeling. It's an action. So it's something that's lived out regardless of how you feel. (laughs) And respect. Men need to be treated with respect. It needs to be a submission to their authority. They need to be encouraged and admired and followed. And so wives, it's it's implicit upon you. It's commanded to you in Ephesians as well to submit to your husband's authority, to respect him. These things matter, folks, because they're the ethos, the environment we create in our homes, is what translates to our children. They pick up on it, whether it's directly or indirectly, and they're influenced by it. And so we've got to, we've got to follow Scripture here and follow what God says. He created us, and these are the instructions to us to create a wonderful home that produces disciples. If you honor your parents and honor your spouse, you're going to create that environment in your home. Your children will pick up on it. How you wield your authority will dictate your success at passing on your faith. Parents' authority must be handled with love and grace. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Authority in the home comes from the husband. God made men to be leaders, and we control the leadership environment. Men will do that. What kind of environment are you creating? Men can be passive in their leadership. This results in little discipline in the home. Disorder. Things are out of control. They can be aggressive, overly aggressive. This causes everyone to walk on eggshells. Be fearful when dad's going to lose his cool, right? Overly aggressive can be passive-aggressive. That creates confusion, a lot of undercurrents of politics. Everyone's trying to figure out where they stand. It's not directly handled. Men can leave with insecurity. It can create a violent environment or a chaotic one. Typically, insecure men are violent. It's because they don't have a correct view of themselves. They don't walk with a sense of who they are in Christ. But they can also create a chaotic environment because they're unwilling to engage insecure of their calling and role as a man and as a spiritual leader. Men can lead with insensitivity, just not being aware of what anybody else is experiencing, what anybody else is feeling based on their actions. This leads to a lot of drama and hurt feelings. They can be absent or distant. Almost always that leads to rebellion. Men, have you abdicated your role of leadership in the home to your wife? It's one of the causes of a culture that is aggressively trying to destroy male leadership. (laughs) 
is a lot of men just abdicate it. They don't want to fight that battle. If you abdicate your role to your wife, you will have an overly stressed out wife who's nearly burned out all the time and exhausted at trying to fill two roles. She was not created to do that. Are you leading and creating, are you leading with godliness and with uh, the Holy Spirit? You will create harmony, unity, love, peace, respect, and honor in your home. Men, you establish the tone and nature of authority in the home. It comes from you whether you like it or not. It's just a fact. It's the way God made it. What type of leader are you? How, are your, child, how your children act at school or church or with others is an indicator of the type of leader you are. Not 100%. It's an indicator. Direction from the scripture for male leadership. Don't drink too much. Don't be quick-tempered. Don't be controlling. Don't be a jerk. Be loving, be gracious, be a servant. The call of leadership is not a step up. It's not a promotion. It's a demotion. <laughs> it's a step down. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be, learn to be the servant of all. So to be a, a leader is to be a servant. It's to be the best servant, the most engaged servant, the most aware servant. That's the call of leadership. And so the same thing is required in our homes. If we, if we don't leave in, uh, lead in that way, problems are created. And listen, we're not perfect. There's not a perfect man, perfect husband on the planet. And so grace has to be shown. I'm not trying to beat you up, men. I'm trying to call you out to what God's calling you to be and do. He believes that you can do it. And women, you've got to support that leadership. You've got to be behind it. You've got to cheerlead that leadership. Otherwise, you're discouraging further what your man is trying to do. God's called us to this. It's how we create families and homes that honor God. It's how we disciple our children. Become a growing, mature follower of Jesus, and your leadership will be good, and you will lead the next generation to know and love God. We've gotten to the place in our culture where parents get angry and fight against the authority structures in our society. And listen, I understand some of those don't represent us. They're actively working against our authority and our influence, right? But we still need to reinforce with our children that sense of respect. When I grew up, I'm old now, so I can say this. When I grew up, if I got in trouble in one place, I was probably getting in trouble at home too. My parents did not come and defend me to the authority. I got reminded that I needed to respect them. Listen, we don't respect authority because of the nature of the person that holds the position. We respect authority because God has put those authority structures in place. If we have unresolved issues in our own lives, we can carry those into our homes and perpetuate them with our kids. There was a point in my life where I was pushing my children to advance quickly because I didn't feel like I did. I felt like I underperformed. Slow to take off, slow to get there in life. So I pushed my kids. I wanted to see them do what I didn't do. All right, if you want to discourage your children, <laughs> if you want to shut them down, that's a great way to do it. And I certainly was guilty of that. Are you growing and moving as a disciple? Is your faith alive and real? Ultimately, what uh, got me connected to Jesus, what discipled me to grow in love, uh, to grow to love and know God, was I knew that my parents did. I saw it in their life. I saw it in what they did. They were not perfect, but they loved Jesus, and I could see it. It drew me 
to want to have a relationship with God too? Are you showing your children how to set the right priorities? Are you teaching them that what, uh, are you teaching them by what you do that a relationship with God is a top priority in your life? Many parents, uh, parents see their kids walk away from church when they leave home only to realize that they raised them that way. They didn't raise them to make church a priority. Church is a priority, uh, or are other things a priority in your life? Sports, activities, family, work, travel, all those things can take the place of a priority. Your kids see what you do, not what you talk about. To become a four-chair disciple is to be a good parent. As I said, if you grow in your calling, what Jesus wants you to become, you will be a good parent. You'll disciple your kids, and they will grow up to know and love God. And uh, as we've been talking about through this year, uh, the first chair is to be a seeker. Come and see. What is God doing? What's Jesus up to? Who is he? To step into chair two is to become a believer or a follower. It's where I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I begin to follow him, and my life begins to change. Right? I confess my sins. I, I repent. I turn away from them. I turn towards obedience. I learn about who God is. I learn to trust his character. I learn to follow his directives. Chair three is to become a worker. It's to move into that place where I begin to serve in, in the work of God. That's reflected by the call of Jesus to Peter to come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Got to step into chair three, begin to serve, begin to grow in that, begin to, to be trained to do the work of God. You got to learn that. We don't know it. We don't come uh, into this life naturally knowing how to serve. We've got to be taught how to serve. And so that's why it's important to serve in the church and to serve uh, in the world and to begin to share our faith and share the gospel with people and have spiritual conversations. All that happens in chair three. And then chair four is to become a disciple maker where I can reproduce myself. I can lead somebody to Jesus. I can help them grow in their knowledge and I can help disciple them through into obedience, right? I can correct them. I can shepherd them. I can help them grow. And then I can get them involved in ministry and show them what that looks like and to begin to serve. And I can train them in that. And then I can ultimately help them become a disciple maker too. They can reproduce themselves. The call is to be a disciple maker. Parents, not all of us are disciple makers. Not all all of us are able to reproduce ourselves. The question is, how are we going to disciple our children to know and love God if we don't know how to do that? And so I just want to urge you, take advantage of what we're doing here at, at church. Mitchell Berean, we're building a discipleship uh, process so that you can learn and grow and engage this. It will enable you and equip you to raise your kids. Listen, kids do rebel. They walk away at times. Uh, this is pretty common. We have a story that Jesus told about a child that walked away called the prodigal son. And uh, the good news and the encouragement is, and I firmly believe this, that if uh, a child comes to know Jesus, God enters their life, I don't care how old they are, and he does not leave, and he does not walk away, he doesn't turn away from them. And so my conviction is, and I've watched this, and so I say it with some authority, though I don't know every story and every situation, but I say it with some authority, that for that child to come back to Jesus is just a matter of time. It's not if they will, it's when they will. Because God doesn't give up, and I don't believe he loses. <laughs> and if someone opens their life to him, he comes in. Don't let your hurts and your sin issues keep you from growing 
to become a disciple maker. Do it for your family. Do it for your kids. Do it for your grandkids. Listen, uh, uh, it's only going to empower you from a spiritual standpoint to influence the people you love to ensure that they know and love God. Keep praying for your prodigals. Keep believing. Grandparents, maybe that's the reason you're still here on the earth is to continue to pray for them. Do spiritual battle for them. Don't give up. Jesus is not giving up. I wonder where you're at today, what chair you're in, where you're at in the process of discipleship. I just want to encourage you and urge you, take advantage of what's available. Listen to the call of Jesus. It's real. He doesn't call you to be a disciple maker if you can't do it. (laughs) You're able to do it. But as you know, anything good in life comes through commitment. And so you got to step up and step into the game. You got to get you got to get engaged in it. You got to get yourself to the right places where those things can happen. Where you can grow, where you're going to continue to develop and mature. If you're in chair 1 and you need to take the step to chair 2 to become a follower of Jesus, put your trust in him. It's a matter of believing and putting your faith in what Jesus did for you. Let's pray. God, thanks for your call on our lives. Thanks for the instruction you give us of how to handle our homes, how to create uh, unity, how to create um, an environment where everybody is thriving and growing. And God, some of it's difficult, the call that you put on us as parents, especially, and even grandparents. We've got to shape and mold and train children, and it can be hard. Father, I pray for courage and encouragement for anyone here who's discouraged in their role as parent who's saying, I don't know, this isn't working and I don't know if I can do this. God, I just pray for encouragement over them that your spirit would breathe life into their soul, into their spirit, lift them up, help them to understand and see that the efforts they're making are working. You are using them. And Father, don't let them stumble. And, and get down. God, help us all to not get discouraged when you discipline us, but to continue to follow you, to stay in it, to allow you to continue to shape us and mold us. Tough, tough parenting can do that in us as well. Help us to turn to you for strength, for wisdom. And Father, there's times we just throw up our hands and we can't do it. And that's right where you want us, to surrender to you trust you to engage where we can't. And Father, I pray for those prodigals that have walked away, that are living in rebellion. God, would you give us the hope and the faith to know that they'll return. And Father, I pray that you would right now interact, intercede in the minds and hearts of those kids. Some of them are adults, some of them are older. Father, I pray that you continue to leverage them back to you. Use us to do it. God, thank you again that we can trust you with all things. You've called us to a role that we can fulfill with your strength and power. Help us to continue to lean on you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.